to the Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, located right in the heart of Rosewood, this is Local Bar. I am your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you have decided to spend a few moments with us today. For that, we are incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you get your good podcasts and even your bad ones. If you are a podcaster and uh, you go through the Libsyn Network like we do, you can find us, friend us, follow us over there. Always love interacting with our other fellow podcasters. If uh, you have any comments, questions, condolences for the show, you can throw it over to chad at localbarmedia.com. A uh, professional podcaster here. Chad at localbarmedia.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and I believe Instagram, Local Bar Media. And I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. I, I don't promote this enough. But if you do want to uh, support the show, Patreon is a website where you can go, put in a debit or credit card. It's a secure place. And it's, but by the way, just for those of you that don't know, it's not just for podcasting. There's a lot of uh, artists that do um, uh, subscription sponsorships through Patreon. You go and you can you can donate a dollar, ten dollars, whatever you feel, out of the goodness of your heart towards the show, uh, and just have it where it just reoccurs every month, kind of like tithing to the show. My preacher father would be so happy, uh, be so proud of me. Um, but it's a place where you can go and support the show. We appreciate all of you that do. If you wonder where the money goes, it goes to paying for the bills for the show, any new equipment, and quite possibly, quite possibly, I've almost got her convinced, ladies and gentlemen, we might be bringing that other podcast back. We're close. Maybe one or two more patrons, and it might be happening. So uh, you can, you can check that out, patreon.com slash local bars where you can go to support the show. You'll see a big old picture of my mug when you go there. Voices sound a little bit rough today. You'll have to excuse me. Uh, we had a, the band that I play in. If you live in the Columbia area, you may have seen this on some of our social media. We uh, played the other night at Foxfield Bar and Grill. I want to give them a shout out. It is the best outside music venue in all of Columbia. Uh, they've got uh, some new folks over there. We just had an absolute blast. We we haven't played a gig that wasn't like a private thing in at least a, like a year and a half. And so coming back home to Foxfield, where we consider it home, um, we had an, it was so much fun. Great crowd, huge crowd. As a drinking crowd that night, let me t- let me tell you. Uh, but that was that was a lot of fun. If you are in the Columbia, South Carolina area or the South Carolina area, uh, we will be playing this weekend at Savage Craft. So come on out. If you've never been there, it's a newer brewery. It's uh, just across the river, right there behind State Street. It, uh, it's, I've seen it. I've not been to it yet, so I'm stoked about playing. If you're in the area, please come on by. If you are a listener to this show and just happen to be coming through the area, stop by. Please say hello to me. I, I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to meet people when they just kind of come through town. So uh, please do that. Give me a shout if you come through the area. I could not be more excited about the interview we have this week. Ed Lattimore joins us. Uh, he is a, uh, I, I call him a motivational speaker. I, I think he, he, through all of his social medias, his blogs, everything that he does, he is he is a a motivational speaker, a very positive speaker, but but just different. He has he has an, a a thing that the other people don't have, and and it'll be very apparent in the interview. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to him the other day, and it just absolutely uh, made my week to finally get this guy on. I kind of been, I've kind of been teasing that I've got somebody coming that I'm really, really hyped up about. Well, th- this is it. Uh, Ed Lattimore. He uh, started off as an amateur boxer, had a great amateur career, was a heavyweight for a while. Uh, has since been helping people uh, learn uh, kind of how to express themselves. Uh, through social media and through blogs and things like that. But he's got some great, great stuff. And we, we jump into all that here in a minute. Um, one shout-out uh, to anybody that works at Apple, uh, if you just happen to be listening, just want to let you know, all of us hate the new update to GarageBand. Anybody who does podcasts, music creation, we all hate it. Please please go back to the old way. We can't find any of our crap. I had to 
a little bit of an issue getting the show out this week because of it. Didn't didn't stop me completely, but it certainly pissed me off. Uh, so thank you very much, Apple, for for a whole lot of nothing. Um, I don't know about you, uh, but I, I have uh, I've been doing a little bit more searching for things like uh, I wouldn't say so much self help, but I've been looking more for uh, like motivational speaking. My wife and I are doing a a new diet plan. And it is one that uh, I'm excited about because there is a there's a realm of um, access that you get to the instructors and they have nothing but very positive and motivating messages for a guy that does a podcast that is all about positivity and motivation. You'd think I'd hear enough of it. I think in today's world, we just don't we don't get enough of it. We're not dealing in times where people want to give it out. It's all it's all the other side. It is completely about knocking down other people's beliefs or whatever. And and the motivational speaking that, that I'm looking for uh, is a little bit different than what I used to look for. Sure, it's about self-reflection. Um, sure, it's about you know really looking at your whole self and the people you surround yourself with. All that kind of stuff that we normally teach. But there's an air of not caring about what other people think. Or there is a little bit more of an air that I look for that is you've got to uh, maybe worry about the people you should worry about and ignore the ones you shouldn't. And that doesn't seem to go hand in hand for a lot of public speakers, and I don't know why. A lot of the folks that I do follow, though, uh, have that sense about them. They, I find them all to be not only highly successful, uh, by whatever their definition of success is, I also find them to be ha- very happy and content in their life with the people that, that, that are around them. Um, Ed Lattimore is certainly one of those people. He is a guy that I have been following now for a few years. Uh, I was going to have him on the show earlier, and then, you know, I kind of famously took a break for a little bit. So I, I, I'm glad to have finally been able to, to come back around and, and, and pick him back up. Uh, so I am I'm very excited to uh, to to present this interview to you, and uh, I will talk to you on the other side of the break. I want to go to Alaska and get away from it all. I want to go to Alaska. Where the trees grow tall When I get to Alaska I'll buy a pickup truck And while I'm there in Alaska I try and press my love Well, every week, uh, one of the things that I've always done on this show is I've, I try to bring in people that have positive and interesting stories to share. For the past five, six years, we, we've done this, I believe, successfully. One of the things that happens is I, I tend to kind of promote a lot of people in the area of the United States where I live. But every now and then, I get to bring on a, a guest that has a lot of notoriety. And what this has done is it helps promote the show. This week, though, I'm bringing in someone. And I've kind of teased that I've had somebody like this that I've been working on. I'm bringing in someone who has that kind of notoriety. But it's not that that I want to have him on. I'm bringing him on because I think he's somebody that every one of us needs to hear from because of his principles and his outlook. So without further ado, over in this corner, standing at 6'1", with a 76-inch reach, is an author, speaker, entrepreneur, and former heavyweight boxer with a 13-1-1 record, Mr. Ed Lattimore. Ed, how are you? I'm fantastic, man. That was uh, one of the best intros I've ever received. Well, it's, it's, if I get anything out of this interview, at least I got that. So I've been working on that. Hey, I, I've, I've, uh, I heard you years ago that the I had Zuby on the show about a year or two ago, and so the listeners of the show know who he is pretty well. But I, I remember hearing you and Zuby. It must have been two or three years ago, and the moment I heard you, I started following you. Uh, we've got some other paths that have kind of crossed that we'll get into here in a minute. But uh, I'm real excited to have you on. If you could just take a second, kind of introduce yourself, what you're doing now, and, and really kind of what your history has been over the past few years. 
Oh goodness, let me try. I'll try, I'll try to keep it as uh, compact and concise as I can. But so I'm I'm at Lattimore and right now. I am mainly a a writer for my my blog and I have some programs that teach people how to to write like that and you know put their story into a, a palatable format and get a lot from them and help them you know make a make a cool life for themselves and that's very similar uh, i guess that that's my story kind of my path my life as well i went from my i grew up in, in public housing and i was raised by a single mother you know all the the typical cliches that you think about for the at-risk youth but i managed to navigate that uh, i didn't start you know what, what a lot of people know me for i didn't start boxing until i was like i thought i was 22 and, and had a really great amateur career probably uh much better than the, than I, anyone thought myself included uh turned pro i had a good time turning pro but right around you know my experience with boxing uh let me see that there wasn't much to life after boxing so one of the things that i did i made a very hard turn uh when i was I just turned professional and decided to enlist in the military, and I did that so I could start build my resume and also get get some money for school. So I served in our National Guard for four years, and during that four years, worked to complete uh, a degree in physics. And now, uh, you know, along well not now along the way during that degree, I realized that that people really enjoyed say and a lot of my writing. So like. Uh, now I make a living doing that, and it's it's really work. Uh, I get to interact with a lot of cool people, and I get to learn a lot, and I get to continually hone my craft of writing as well. That's cool. That's cool. You know, I uh, I follow your Twitter account you know profusely. I, I I follow a lot of stuff on Twitter, and 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 admittedly, I follow a lot of stuff that I disagree with because I'm looking for a kind of a thirty-five thousand foot view of everything that I can find, at least from a social media standpoint. There are a few of you, though, that I kind of have bookmarked that I that I follow for, for me and for myself. You you are one, Zuby's one. Chris Johnson is another one. And, oh, yeah, that's and, another cool guy. Yeah, he is. He is. I'm a member of the Wealth Squad. I preach about it all the time. My wife works in securities, and she's tired of me wanting to give her boss advice that I get from Chris all the time. I, you know, I try, <laughs> I try not to overstep my boundaries, but... You know, I've always enjoyed following you, or the time that I've enjoyed uh, I followed you, I've really enjoyed it, because you're really not afraid to to really speak your, your about your principles, and you do it in a very bold bold way. Um, you know, you're very positive, but you have there is this large and very apparent air of accountability that seems to be uh, present in every single one of your. Every single one of your tweets or every single one of your blogs, growing up in public housing, and making uh, such a success out of yourself, there's got to be a point where you learn that because it, you, you probably didn't just learn it from the people around you. There, there had to be something, some kind of pivot point where you looked and said, "Man, I need this to be different." Was there just one situation like that? Was there a person that kind of guided you along the way, or or, or what was it for you? I, I think I've always just wanted to, I, I've always had a view of myself that I could be more than my surroundings. And that that's always just been a strategic view. You know, the, the actual, the actual tactical execution of the idea, I think I've, I've faltered, you know, like any other person, but I've always come back to what can I do to push myself to give myself the best opportunities in life and that's what, I, what I've learned to do maybe more deliberately over the past few years but the idea has always been there you know and I think that anybody who, who would want to do something similar or improve their life in some way you know, they've got to they've got to look at their situation and be unsatisfied with it and then go okay how can i do more and in between that kind of the kind of a conduit or bridge between those two points dissatisfaction and doing more accomplishing more is is admitting that where you're at is is insufficient inadequate and working to do that a lot of people have a lot of trouble admitting that they are not who 
to or what they aspire to be when they were younger. You know, how many people go, I'm not living the dream that I, they are even close to it. I'm nowhere near. I've completed the route. And I think many people just go, I'm satisfied with this as opposed to going, okay, how can I get what I want out of life? That's interesting. You had, I was talking with a friend of mine last night. Um, who we're, we're actually talking about relationships. She's kind of going through a, a weird sense with her relationships. And I brought up something that you tweeted uh, back uh, sometime last year. And you, you had just kind of retweeted it again the other day. And you said, a, a dream killer that isn't talked about enough is a high pain tolerance. The more bullshit you can deal with, the more it will take for you to make changes. Suffering to get something is great. It's necessary. Suffering to avoid something is death by low standards. It, it, you know, how is it that that people don't see that? I mean, I, I, I thought it was a br- brilliant, very poignant point to make. Uh, and, and again, we were talking about like her relationships. There's almost a point of her where she was like, well, maybe I just need to settle or maybe I just need to not look for this. I mean, th- there's one thing in saying we need to make some self-improvements and looking inward, but there was a lot of talk or it seemed like she was kind of down where she was mentioning that she should just kind of settle for, for something. Doesn't that seem to be something that not only happens within ourselves, but our communities kind of teach us? Uh, that we should settle. I, I think um, I think that settling is easy, right? And and it, it's a lot easier to go. I like this instead of going. I don't like this. Let me work to get this, which is a little uh, more difficult to achieve. Now, a lot. And then now, part of that difficulty though is. Is kind of being aware of your of where you're not measuring up, right? Um, that shine in the mirror on yourself. It's a very hard thing for a lot of people to do. Okay, mm-hmm. but yeah. but it's absolutely necessary, and it's only when you're able to do that. It, okay, I should not settle because I can do better, or you know, or you know, I guess sometimes this could happen. You could shine the mirror on yourself and go, okay. I'm doing pretty good, and it might not get much better than this. So uh, let me take this and and just kind of maximize it. But but I rarely find that is the case. What is usually the issue is that people are afraid to turn the mirror on themselves. They're afraid to do the the hard work of of. It's not even hard work. It's more like painful because you get to you have to shatter. Uh, the illusion that you owe for yourself. You know, we are the easiest person to fool. And so, like, if it, or you rather yourself is the easiest person to fool. And if you if you start to believe your own nonsense, you've, you've got a big, you've got an even bigger hole to dig yourself out of. It's already going to be hard enough to kind of, you know, go after what you want. But if you can't even get started because you don't think there's anything wrong with your approach or wrong with you, it's just the world. Then you, know, you either you either you know blame something else or settle. And I think the the middle path, the more difficult one, is to go. Okay, I am not adequate. Well, here is exactly how I am not adequate. Let me fix this. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me let me take it a step further. I love that. I, I, I love that analogy. I want to take it a step further though, and this is why I bring up the communities thing. Uh, another one of your tweets. I'm reading these things out like they're from the freaking Bible. This is from the book of Ed, <laughs> Lattimore, <laughs> this is chapter 13, uh, verse 1. It, it said, if you come from a shitty background, you should reach a point in your development where no one can tell unless you tell them. If you're 25 or older and people can still, still guess that you're from the ghetto or the trailer park, you got to get it together. I understand the personal accountability side of that. There's, there's a there's a part of that that's very apparent, and, and I, I get that. Like I think we all get that. That there's something we got to take a good look at ourselves. The reason I bring up the community is this: I, I didn't grow up poor. I grew up here in South Carolina. I grew up middle class because it's South Carolina compared to the rest of the nation. Probably on the lower end middle class, but my parents did fine. I a son of a preacher yeah. and a teacher. I didn't really, really want for a lot of stuff. Had great friends going up fine didn't know the pain that like my wife grew up with or or other folks did as I got older and and I found the differences uh, of the way people grew up you've talked about your background 
And I've had a lot of friends that grew up uh, probably similar, some some just as tough, if, if not, and depending on the cases, even tougher. One of the things I've seen out of anybody that's coming out of a tough background, but I've, I've even seen it myself, Ed, coming from a, like a middle-class background, is there is a there's almost a culture of complacency where your community, Chris Johnson talks about it, about if you've got family members that are trying to hold you back, don't be afraid to, to, to say bye to them. There's this idea yeah. of where we're trying to escape that, that our communities don't, don't want us to do it in, in some cases. And I, I always worry about that with some people because I believe what happens is they look at the, the the community standards or guidelines and they hear that they're not supposed to do this or they're not supposed to learn this or they're not supposed to yeah. go here it's a failure to who they are I mean let's let's just I just talk just go ahead and get this out of the way I'm a white guy you're a black guy we, we we've heard this kind of things from our, our our in the past growing up about the same age we, we've heard things that, that that nobody wants to talk about because the community sometimes or at least those jealous people that stay complacent, don't want us to go ahead for a guy that's found this kind of success and understands these principles and the community standards and the individual standard why is that there i mean i understand it's probably been there from, from the beginning of time but but looking at it from like a scientific point of view if you will why does that exist um so there, there are two things going on here one is is a basic principle of all things living and that is that living organisms seek the most energy efficient configuration right okay. it's just a fancy way of saying that they take the easy way uh, whenever they can but but it, it's it's more complete to, to phrase it that way right somebody challenged me to come up with a definition one day and i did and i've stuck and it really explains it so everything seeks the most energy efficient configuration aka the easy way okay, okay. Uh, so you, so you have these ideas that grow in the community and even if the community is not getting the outcome that perhaps another community is getting what you now have is you have this very efficient configuration everyone kind of knows what to expect kind of knows what to do and and the day is is more or less set. There aren't a lot of surprises, not a lot of things you have to adapt to, not a lot of things that are going to disrupt your equilibrium in this sense. Okay. So you, you, you have that, that explains, in my opinion, the, the general kind of why, why certain attitudes don't change. We see this in the individual as well as the group. Certain attitudes will not change despite, <laughs> despite um, the outcomes they produce, right? Right. And then you, then the other thing that is taking place is, is you know what happens when something does come along that is different. Then you know we're, we're all from the same background, but I think and feel a completely different way. Okay. And I'm going about living a certain way, a completely different way. Well, you've got to rationalize my approach without going against kind of the group and disrupting the equilibrium, right? They guess, I guess that's the other thing going on is there's a lot of group uh, think. People really do function best in groups. It's great if you end up around a great group. It's not so good if you end up in, a, in, a, in an awful group, right? So we got the group think and really the, the, the social adhesion that comes with a group. We've got the, the principle of energy efficient configuration and you get then you got the person that comes along that wants to do something different so now they're battling those two elements but also you know in terms of the people in the community looking at what you're doing they've got to reconcile your attitude and and abilities and accomplishments with their own because how can you both exist? You're both from the same tribe. You're both from the same background. Okay. One of you has to be wrong. And and this is all this is is this cognitive dissonance, like externally, like like two ideas uh, occupying the same base. And even though it's not actually mutually exclusive, we we see it that way. Our people in the group see it that way. So it's it's you 
or other group has got to go. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll tolerate it for a little while, kind of hoping and waiting on your downfall. And when the downfall is an apparent, perhaps outright sabotage or cutting yourself off, cutting yourself out. That is usually, uh, in my opinion, what happens. You you get someone who decides to make these moves, to, to, to disrupt things, to wake up from the condition of the group. And the group goes, oh, man, we were really happy being asleep. What is wrong with you? Dude, you got to go back to sleep or leave the room, one or the other. Like, And so you leave, and you go find other people who are awake. Now you might pick up some stragglers. There might be one person with their eyes like half open. It's like, oh, you know, I was kind of comfortable, but it looks like this is interesting. Let me follow this, right? And they're like, all right, get your ass out of here too. Peace, right? And that's that's kind of what happens I think is that you know you get those three factors combined and then at the end you are you are left with the the outliers I always say extraordinary people by definition don't come in clusters you can't expect to find groups of extraordinary people it's just not how it works they usually come together from different places and then that's how a group is formed so I should say you should not expect to find the native group of extraordinary people they are all going to be pulled from different clusters, different backgrounds, different walks of life, because they had to break free of conditioning and kept their people at a level that was not extraordinary kind of by definition. Wow, that's all right, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I can think about uh, friends of mine that, that I have now um, in, the, in, the, in the close circles, the very close circles that I, I deal with, while there may be multiple ones just because I'm married, I have kids, so we exist in different circles. But they, they, you know, not not even in in South Carolina, most of us are even varied for for this area down here, and it, at least with the people I feel the most comfortable with, and so that that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. You, um, I, I've had, I, I, I'm I'm sure you're a longtime listener of the show, and you've seen the the large list of people I've had on here. But I'll go ahead just in case you haven't, uh, and I'll tell you, I think you might be the the person that puts the most. Uh, thought into every one of his answers more than anybody else. I love it. I, 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 I love that, uh, you know, the, the heavyweight boxer that comes on my show greatly outshines everybody else in his thought. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, and I'm completely just joking by shoving you in the heavyweight boxer uh, category, but I love it. Uh, hey, I want to shift a little bit and talk about some of the stuff that you do. But first, you know, you've you've got um, on your. You know, if people want to follow you, and we'll get to your links and stuff here in a little bit. But you know, you you're a big proponent or a, a believer, I guess I would say, in stoicism. Can you kind of explain to us what what that means and what that is, and, and how that kind of guides you and what you do? Oh uh, yeah, so stoicism is uh, at least you know I'll, I'll kind of I'll give my definition, which is going to be you know colored by my influence, covered colored by my experiences, but uh, and may not be exactly what you find when you look it up, but but it's close enough to be useful, and and that's all that really matters. So uh, stoicism is just simply using your internal metric as a as a sense is rather a gauge for how to react to the world right right. so uh, many people are are swayed around by external forces what happens to them and they react to it a stoic focuses on how he what he can control which is the only thing you can control is like you know your 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 thoughts and not even really your thoughts will say your intent uh, we can we can control that. That's one thing we have absolute control over. So in focusing on that, it provides a real frame of reference independent of emotions, okay? So, you know, a lot of people think stoicism is about not feeling it, and that right. is completely not true. Okay. It's about being in control of the reaction and not, not making decisions under the influence of your emotions, right? And the only way to do that is to is to focus on something that, that is uh, out of the influence of your emotions and, and then from the natural intent or your internal side, um, or your internal side. We'll, we'll say your your um, your will. That's a good word for it for your willpower. And when you focus on that, 
and you use that to God, you, instead of how you feel about a thing, a funny thing happens, you realize most of the world does not do this. The world, most of the world makes decisions based on how they feel towards things, and and even though, you know, I've read the research that says uh, most of us, even though we think we're making decisions about how we think, it turns out we're making decisions on how we feel, if you're truly embracing the stoicism, you know, you're, you're not in that most part. You know, this I think this is one of the reasons why on social media, or when I'm, or even in real life, it just happens that social media is an extension of this trait. That when I'm talking to people, I'm, I'm quickly able to go, "Oh, that's a great point. I'm going to," and, and you know, I was incorrect. Because I'm not not emotionally attached to it. I'm attached to the logic, and so I'm, so I am thinking, and just following the thought. And that that's usually like what 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 ultimately happens. And that doesn't mean I, I can't you know chill out. And, and just let myself feel the world. Yeah, but I'm always in control of me. Losing control is never a good thing. Like, like there's yeah. no benefit to that whatsoever. Um, even even when I fought, you know, the a, a calm, aggressive mind that was in control of the aggression was superior to one that was just kind of reckless. I mean, you wanted some emotion in there, but you wanted to have control of it. You can't let it control you because your emotions do not, almost by definition, think. And a lot of people think that you can't be, uh, think that there's a, that you can be emotional and think. Well, we know that as the activity of the amygdala fires up, the prefrontal cortex, you know, dials down. In other words, as you get afraid and excited and, and you got to make a decision, kind of fight or flight, your ability to plan and coordinate and think decreases. Okay. And we, we, we know this. Uh, neuro from, from like neuroscience and MRI imaging, right? So, so once you know that, uh, then you realize the importance, or at the very least, you can see the importance empirically of staying in control of your emotions. The Stoics figured this out, you know, four thousand years before we had MRI imaging, right? So, they they knew that when you when you are all hyped up and emotional and freaking out, you don't make sound decisions and you usually do something that is not in your best interest. At the very least, you're not making optimal decisions for yourself. I, I've told a story on here before um, that when when Caitlyn Jenner uh, made that transition, when Bruce Jenner uh, brought forth the, the T and the LGBT, uh, I was at a bar and there was somebody there sitting pretty close to me. And my voice is very loud and it just carries wherever I am. And uh, I was talking to somebody, and I was telling them, you know, like, I've always understood the L's, the G's, and the B's, but I've heard T, but I've never been around it. So this is something that I'm just not really used to. And this this lady, I call her a lady, this lady went crazy on me all of a sudden. It was, like, calling me names, like, how dare you not? No, my, my point to her was, like, well, well, back it down a second. What I'm telling you is it's something that I don't know about. And I, I'm interested in finding out more about it, not to like pick up a flag like I'm pulling for a team. What what surprised me though was not only her reaction to me, but how um, emotional she allowed for herself to be. And I realized there was no conversation that was going to happen between the two of us because of that. Is that that right. same principle? Is it that same thing? Like we're not even really listening. And, and being cognitively aware of what other options or counterpoints may be there that we need to pick up on if we allow ourselves to get so emotionally charged into a situation. Yeah, because because if you if you just focus on how you not even focus because it's not that that implies actual like intent. But if you give in to how a thing makes you feel, and instead, stop. But look, look uh, once again, stoicism is not about not feeling because that's impossible. You can't right. stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. All you can do is interrupt how you respond to them. Okay, so once you, if we're having a conversation, an argument, and you you say something to like tick me off, and I don't put myself in check then I'm going to lose all ability to think rationally. And in doing so, usually that's going to, you know, what's, what's that amygdala do? That's fight or flight, right? I'm going I'm to fight, right? And sometimes that's, that fighting is verbal. Other times, you know, it's somebody 
you know, what, what do we call it in, in uh, the criminal justice system? A crime of passion? Yeah. That, that, what's the difference between uh, involuntary manslaughter and, and, and murder as well as the intent to kill? Right. Uh, you didn't, they can demonstrate that because you were all wild up. That's, uh, you're still going to do some time. But, like, there, there's a, there, there are real consequences to that. And, and a lot of people don't realize that by virtue of not thinking, they end up missing, usually missing opportunities to connect and learn and teach, you know. There are some, you know, I, I have a, a story I tell people. There was a girl I went to high school with. Uh, you know, we're friends with everybody on Facebook, and and back when there were, um, when I think it was when they killed, right? It's when I when when Derek Chauvin killed uh, George Floyd or whatever. Yeah. And I, I I posted on my wall. I was like, you know, you know, people there there weren't massive riots when they shot Derek Rose, uh, Antoine Rose. There weren't massive riots over. Um, I can't even remember the, the the dude's name and. Uh, New York City, but I was just naming these these cases, and I said, hey, you know, it, it's all, I'm not saying they should riot, but you can only expect people to take so much shit for so long, right? Now, here's what's crazy about that. We actually agreed, but because she had an emotional reaction, she read it and thought I was saying something completely different. She was fired up, not even able to read correctly. She thought I was saying the complete opposite, called me a coon, and then blocked me on Facebook. And the people were confused, like, do you understand that he's agreeing with you? And then because the decision was made under emotional duress, and she comes back to reality and realizes how stupid was, can't even apologize. Even yeah. though the not be, be one thing of like, we were legitimately disagreeing, right, right. whatever, right? right. But, but no, she just misread it and thought we were disagreeing. And so this, these kind of things happen when you don't stop and think. But that is hard, and I think a lot of the training comes from we don't need you to stop and think. We just need you to stop because usually if you give yourself just a little bit of time, you you, you get a perspective on, on the matter, whatever the matter is, whether it's words, whether it's something in front of you uh, that you got to deal with immediately. You get a little bit of time. You don't do what your first reaction because your emotions do not. They, that's like what do they call it? Like your 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 lizard brain, man. That's yeah. like that is some, <laughs> some old primal stuff. It is not there to help you navigate the world. Like that's why the prefrontal cortex, the area of your brain, that is responsible for that stuff. It you know if I remember right, it's the oldest uh, part or not oldest. It's the part of your brain that takes the longest to mature. And is and is the newest. It's like okay, here's some reasoning, but you're not you're not really fully developed and finished until you're like 25, 26. Take it easy until then. Yeah. And even there, like no one, people don't realize the the this how damaging it can be to to give into their emotions. And it's not like you know no one's saying don't feel. Yeah. It's saying you know it's saying don't don't do the first thing emotions <laughs> tell you to do that's two very different statements and somehow uh it, it gets conflated and so a lot of times when i when i would when i'm arguing against um people who are our stances that are anti-stoic i'm like you understand i'm not saying don't feel i'm saying don't don't be an asshole when you do feel yeah like, yeah gotcha well um i want to tell you something and i'm going to be pointing back to this episode and this conversation for years. I have this I have this theory. I have a rule that I remind people of all the time. I have, it's called your 48-hour rule to where if a major event happens that gets everybody heated, like like something like with the George Floyd thing like you're talking about or or something in your community happens, something in a church, something in the government, politics, whatever it is, that you wait 48 hours until you go post on social media. Partly because you may not have all the facts yet, but number exactly. two, your emotions have got to cool down a little bit before you start putting stuff out there to the universe that you don't want coming back around to you. And I've been trying to get this point across for years, and here you are and in a matter of like five minutes summing up the reason why we should do it. And so I, I you were you were going to be a guide guide wire for me in this conversation for, for years. I'm constantly going to point back to it. And in the little bit of time we have left here, I, I want to get to, to something because 
I do want to promote some of the stuff that you're doing because I think that people need to hear more of you. Obviously, they can follow you on Twitter. We'll talk about that. But you've you've got a couple of things that 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 I two things I want to point to people. I got a question with with, with this. Um, you've got great stuff about writing on Twitter. You've got stuff for, for for side hustles if that's somebody something that somebody's into. But there's two things that you've written that I think are extremely profound. Uh, one of them was your uh, sober letters to my drunken self, and I think that's absolutely yeah. amazing. But the other one uh, is the Vice Breakers, the complete program for kicking your bad habits and addictions. When we talk about impulses, like we just have, it, it, it take that the, the impulse part of the the discussion we've just had. I, I think about that with the Vice Breakers uh, information that you put out there. With everything else, if you had to look at all of your work. If anybody wanted to get something out of any of the rest of it, don't they pretty much have to start there with vice breakers? I mean, don't don't you have to make sure that the closet's cleaned out before you start putting crap back into it? I mean, w- wouldn't you say that? I, I think that if you're going to uh, absorb any of my work, yeah, I think uh, I put vice breakers together because because you know, I'm very vocal about the issues that I had in my past with alcohol and pornography and, and figuring out how to overcome those two things combined with the discipline to to do other things in my life. You know, I kinda of figured out what works, what doesn't and, you know, what's what's important to getting real growth and making real progress in the face of, of these issues, okay? Right. So so I've, I've done a lot done a, done a lot of work with that, and, and it was originally designed to teach people how to, you know, overcome their bad habits so they aren't, they aren't, you know, they don't know what they're, or they're so rather they're not, uh, what's the best way to put this? I'll use an analogy. I always say, you know, before we put water in a bucket, we got to patch up the holes, and I think that this is patching up the holes. If you go and you, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest habit. If you, if everything on your life is on point, but you overeat, yeah, you're probably not going to live long enough to enjoy uh, the fruits of your labor, at least not be able to do so healthily and without stress. And you may not be able to bring a nice partner into your life to, to, to enjoy things with. So I'm, I just, you know, thank, thanks for really recognizing that a lot of people focus on every other thing and very few people recognize the books that I put out, the programs I put out to help people overcome their, these really destructive things that I, that I had to like learn and figure out. And it, it means, it really means a lot to me that you, that you highlighted those things. Well, Ed, I, I, I do, I, I'm not just blowing smoke. I think you're a phenomenal guy. Um, I have, I, as I said before, and I was kidding because I know you haven't ever heard this show. I reached out to you. I, um, you know, for six years, I started the show not really knowing where I was going with it. One of the things that I did is I really started this more of an introspective journey uh, in, into my own life, listening to the stories uh, and the and the positive notes from, from other people and, and where their lives have changed. Yours is absolutely phenomenal. And I, I cannot recommend your stuff enough, even, even if it's just people following you on Twitter. So in, in closing here, if people want to find out more about you, if they want to hear more about what you're doing, what's the best place for them to do? Where's the best place for them to go to find out more about what you're doing? Uh, yeah, so just just come follow me on uh, Instagram, follow me on Twitter, come visit my website. I am Ed Lattimore on all of these platforms. Like, uh, just look up Ed Lattimore and I'm everywhere. So we are in, we are in good, good shape. That way, uh, L. Lattimore is the website, L. Lattimore Twitter, L. Lattimore to Facebook, L. Lattimore.com is the website. Come and check out uh, all the things that I, that I try and put out to help out the world, man. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm going to send uh, Zuby a message after this and let him know that you never mentioned crack once on my show, so I don't have to edit a thing. <laughs> At least, at least we're in America, man. I don't have to. I don't have to edit my show for for junk like that. So, uh, hey, Ed, listen, man. I, I really appreciate your time. It is great to be able to sit and talk with you. I really look up to you. Think you're fantastic, and thanks for sharing your message uh, to everybody here on the show, man. It really means a lot. Hey, thanks, man. It means a lot that you have me on, man. All right, you take care, buddy. Hey, you too. If I could fight like you, I'd be a champion. I could hang my hat, darling, out in the hallway. If 
if I could fight like you, I could do anything. And I could walk away like a machine. If you are new to the show, all the music is done by our good buddy Don Merkel. He is a local singer-songwriter here in South Carolina. Um, had the opportunity to play in with him for a couple of years in his band, uh, Don Merkel and the Blacksmiths. But he is doing some solo work now. If you go to his web uh, his website or follow him on Instagram, Don Merkel, DonMerkel.com, all that, uh, he's still got uh, a chance for you to get involved with his new album that's coming out. Check it out. I've heard the whole thing. It's fantastic. And uh, if you've been a long-time listener to the show, you, you know that Don Don writes some pretty good stuff. So that hopefully that will be coming out uh, pretty soon, I think. Uh, I want to thank Ed Lattimore for coming on again. What a great interview. I mean, just First of all, what an absolute like, cool guy, you know? Um, we, we didn't really get into it, but knowing what I know about him, uh, the guy did not grow up in the easiest life. Um, I, I don't know Ed personally. Uh, but what I love is that with his teachings and everything that he has, he doesn't really do it with a chip on his shoulder. That that idea of stoicism is uh, is pretty profound with him uh, because he, if there is a guy that should walk around with a chip on his shoulder, he's certainly one of them, and he and he and he sees himself a little bit differently. And I, I really dig that. I, you know, it really comes down to the accountability thing for me. And, and I don't, you know, it's so easy for us to talk about accountability when we're talking about somebody else. It's a little harder when you're looking at that person in the mirror. I think as I'm looking um, for some change in my life, I, I, I do have to look it inward first. And I, and I always feel like I've done that to an extent, but I'm more demanding it of myself now. I also think that uh, as we look at the people that we surround ourselves with, uh, a lot of times, you know, there's some people that kind of, you know, we just kind of fall short when it comes to friendship or uh, something happens in their life. They become more jaded in an area. They're, they're not the friend that they used to be at, at some point. Uh, and, and it's easy to blame them, but I, I look at that as something for myself, too. Well, then if they don't fit, then what am I going to do about it? I'm either going to help them, I'm going to try to point it out, I'm going to try to be a good friend to them, or I'm going to realize that it's run its course. And it sounds it sounds pretty terse for me to say it that way. And I don't look at every relationship like that. But I, I say that to, to paint the, the picture that that extreme does exist. I, th- I think too often today we think positivity is just all like, you know, rainbows and unicorn butts i i I think that you you know we have to realize that positivity sometimes means taking the trash out and sometimes you've got to do some stuff in your life and i I don't mean to to make it sound like i'm saying you gotta say goodbye to some people forever but maybe there are some people you should mute on your social media rather than argue with them all day long uh Maybe maybe there are some different websites you don't need to just go read because it's going to put you in a bad place. Is it really that necessary that you do it? I, I had a challenge on this show years ago. I think it was around Thanksgiving that I challenged people to put their phone down for a week. No social media, no Twitter, no Facebook, anything like that. And I got a few responses that were, were pretty incredible. Uh, there were Some people were like, I didn't want to hit the button again and start it back up. I realized I really hadn't missed anything. Um, I think a lot of the stuff we see is kind of made up anyway. I I, I loved I loved the idea that um, first of all, him him talking about just the anatomy of the human brain and how it works is fascinating to me. Uh, you would think that uh, a, a boxer who has to worry about you know any kind of injury to his head would know a lot about that. Ed certainly is extremely well versed in that. But I love just hearing him talk about any of that stuff. But it all does come back to that accountability for me. And, you know, his the, the, the book we were talking about that he wrote that has to do with getting rid of your addictions, it's a, it's a phenomenal read. And it is one that if I were going to point you to anything, I would say start there. All this other stuff is great. If you want to look at maybe start, starting some kind of side hustle, Ed's got stuff for that. If you're wanting, you know, he's got a, a, if you want to get into writing, Ed's got stuff for that. But you want to make a change in your life, that one probably needs to come first. 
I think I think far too often when we think we don't have enough time or we think we don't have the energy, we don't realize the time and energy we waste. When we feel like we need to be putting more time or energy towards some person, place, or, or, or group, hobby, workout, whatever it is, we don't do a good enough job looking inward first and seeing where we're wasting time. I think that has to come first. I think Ed's book is a is a perfect place to start. If you are a person that is dealing with some kinds of addictions, and I'm not, you know, listen, I'm not saying you've been in a 12-step program. I'm not saying you don't need to be in one. But if you find that there are things that are taking joy away from your life or other people's lives and, and you don't really know where to turn, it's a good book to start with. Ed Loudermore is a great person to follow on Twitter. You you can find the steps to take to get where you need to be. If you feel like you've just been an inch away and you can't fight, you just can't fight it, you can't figure it out on your own, you're not alone. Tons of people deal with that. Look, we all should be in therapy for something. I'm not lying when I say that. It's refreshing to hear a guy like Ed uh, come in and talk and share I appreciate it so much. I hope you got something out of it. I certainly did. And uh, I think I need to go read up a little bit a little bit on human anatomy before I have another conversation with, with Ed. Uh, but I certainly appreciate it. I hope you got something out of it. And why don't you do yourself and everybody around you a favor? And take what he said and go find a way to change yourself for the better this week. It's just one step. One step may do it, but do it for yourself and for the people around you. There are a lot of a lot more people out there counting on you than just you. But you got to make sure you're watching out for number one or you're no good for anybody else. And that means even taking a hard look in the mirror sometimes. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab. But if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com. I know you better than you think you know yourself. You're not so different.